Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always is a man that gets more done before midnight than most do in a day. He is the captain. That's because I'm a real gilpin. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Tonight we are drinking Blue Mountain Brewery's classic lager by the good people at Blue Mountain Brewery in beautiful Virginia. Garage grade, four out of five bottle caps. If you are looking for a crisp, clear, lightly hopped lager, then this baby is for you. And this fantastic beer was brought to us by, first up, we have Jesse and Nick in Norwell, Massachusetts. Sending yourself a beer, I see. Next, we have Jen and Rick in Jacksonville, Florida. Also in Florida, a shout out to Belky and Homestead. Balky? Belky. <laughs> that's, that's what I do when I drink too much beer. I balky. And a big shout out to Chris with a Z in Cali. Ooh, and while we're in Cali, let's say hello to Allison from Santa Cruz who says, keep it radical and keep it safe. And keep it radical, man. <laughs> and a big, we like your jib to Mary in Littleton, Colorado. And you know what? We're under a lot of pressure to release a jib. I like your jib shirt. I like the cut of your jib. So if anybody out there fancies themselves, him or herself, an artist, and you know how to draw a jib, mm-hmm. send them our way so we can so we can get the monkey, the jib monkey off our back already. Yeah, you can send that to Nick at TrueCrimeGarage.com or to the captain at True Crime Garage. And one more shout out, last but not least, actually, how about just last? Because this is from Aaron in Fort Meade, Maryland, who says, keep up the excellent work, Captain Nick, not so much. (laughs) So I think it's a smart bet that somewheres in Fort Meade, Aaron is running around wearing a team captain shirt, to which I say, take it off and burn it. Come to the dark side. (laughs) Thank you to everybody except for Aaron for filling up the fridge for this week's show. And if you want to buy us around for next week's show, 
Go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. All right, that's enough of the business. Grab a chair. Grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Brandon Billings had been found dead in his pickup truck. He had been shot to death, and he was found around 2.30 p.m. on October 6, 2002, just a day after his 18th birthday. The young man was not known to have any enemies at all, nor thought to be involved in any criminal activity. Brandon's parents, Kyle and Sherry Billings, still found themselves listening for the sound of Brandon's pickup truck pulling in the driveway even a month or so after his death. Yeah, and there was something, too, where the the mother would be asleep, and as she'd be coming out of the sleep, she would think that she heard him talking. Yeah, the, her his parents had said that it would have been easier if their son had died in a car accident or from something like cancer that at least would be understandable, something that they could understand. What they could not understand is why somebody would kill Brandon. Sherry said, whoever did this is a coward to shoot him from behind. A coward then and a coward now, not brave enough to admit what they have done. She and Kyle always believed that the killer was someone Brandon knew, although not very well. Mm -hmm. They worried that the killer might be somebody that they had seen since the slaying in the store or maybe on the street someone that they had seen in person, maybe up to like 20 times. They stated that Brandon was the type of person that would walk away from any type of trouble. And he was nothing but a big, gentle giant that did not deserve to die. Yeah, but sometimes you can't walk away. Sometimes the fight comes to you and you have to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, and that leaves us with a lot of questions as to why Brandon was in the area where he was found, who would have came after him if he had no enemies. When you look at this from everything I can tell from people he went to school with, from his family and friends, from people that lived in the area, there seemed no reason for him to be in any type of altercation that would have led to his death, would have led to him being found shot to death in his vehicle. Yeah, but what were his, I mean, do we have anybody that he was friends with that have any explanation why he was out that late or where possibly he was heading to. We, we have no information regarding that. And that's, what's so confusing here with this case. Uh, why was he not heading home? Why was he by himself at three forty in the morning? Right. Why was the seatbelt cut? Why was the shirt placed above his head? Six months after Brandon's death, police still had no motive and no suspect. The reward fund had grown to nearly $14,000. Remind, remind you, this was one that friends and family had to put together themselves. They had to fundraise for this reward fund. The week before the senior class photo at Brandon's high school, Brandon's parents held a brief meeting with the senior class to thank them for being friends in both life and death with Brandon. The family gave thank you cards and senior photos of Brandon to each member of the graduating class and all of his football teammates. Mm -hmm. Each card contained a short message inside from the family that said, a kind word for everyone, a stranger never met, always a friendly handshake on that you could bet. From the gentle giant Brandon Billings, number 79, 
Thank you for being a friend to Brandon. Love the Billings family. And Brandon's mother, Sherry, gave a speech at this event. Um, And I'll, I'll pass along some of her words. She said that our Brandon should be here among all of you. But due to someone who didn't think his life was worth living, he won't be here with us. Please be careful and know who your dearest friends are. Because Brandon's killer could have been someone he knew very well. So we have the start of the investigation and we have the autopsy, but where do we go from here? Well, this point leads us to about the one-year anniversary of Brandon's death. And at this point in the investigation, Captain, the police said on record that they have about three or four individuals that they were, quote-unquote, looking at. The police were convinced that all it would take to solve this crime is for one person to come forward, one person to say the right thing. More than that, more than hard evidence, that would be what would crack the case. When you hear the police say that, they're looking for a tip. And they might have three or four individuals that they are, quote unquote, looking at. That to me means that they got some people that they are that are on their radar that they've not ruled out. But they also don't they don't have anything. Right, right. That's they, what I'm basically saying. it's a lot of words saying we have nothing. Please someone call and right. give us the information that we need. Thankfully, the family and friends were the ones that were able to get together and put together this reward money to maybe drum up somebody's like you said, you know, you, you're, you're a dirtbag if you need money to call in the tip. Uh, but uh, some people, sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. Five years later, wow. we're, we're going we're gonna to have to keep fast forward. We're going to have to fast forward to move Jump along through DeLorean. this because there's a lot to cover here. But five years later, in October of 2007, the sheriff said the case was not a dead issue that they work on the case of Brandon Billings all the time. In fact, he says at this time on the five year anniversary, we have one investigator that is currently running down a tip right now. Every call that comes through and every tip that has been called in, we run and we work it very hard to the end. Well, the Billings family held an event at a, at a local park there and Brandon's mom, Sherry called this, her son's birthday in heaven celebration. This of course was a very nice to do, but the other thing here is the Billings family is also using this moment to point out some things that have bothered them regarding the investigation into their son's death. Okay. And the years since Brandon's death, his parents hope that the case would be solved. You know where their hope was had now turned to frustration with the sheriff's department and its handling of the investigation. Mm -hmm. At the event, Sherry pointed out that she would endorse the man running against the current sheriff in the upcoming election. Talking to the local newspaper, Sherry was quick to point out her endorsement. And talking to the crowd there, she said, something's not right, folks. We have to suffer it every day, maybe because of mistakes that the sheriff's department has made. Responding to this, the sheriff told the local media that his department had investigated the killing to the best of its ability, pointing out that they had two investigators, all of the sheriff's office, three special agents from the state police, and all agencies in surrounding cities and counties assisting in the case early on. So there was no shortage of people working this case as far as the sheriff's concerned. Right, but then the rumor mills start in this small town because you have no leads, basically. You have... uh a sheriff's department that you feel is inadequate or 
or why aren't they solving this? And this is kind of when the small town starts talking about the conspiracy of maybe Brandon uh, stumbled upon something he wasn't supposed to. And maybe this was uh, uh, done by the hands of the law. Well, Sherry Billings felt that the FBI should have been called in to help with the case. Uh, In response to this, the sheriff stated that the FBI does not investigate murders. He talked to them and they did offer any assistance in lab work and things like that. Now, in November of 2007, after the election, there was a new sheriff in town. And along with that, the new position that he inherited, he also inherited the Brandon Billings murder investigation. Well, now there's a new sheriff in town. So what's he going to do with it? Well, you know what? The other thing I want to point out here too, Captain, is that there's a new sheriff in town. Is, you know, what happens with these parents when when their son or daughter is taken from them or killed and they're and the case is not solved, they get interviewed by the you know, the newspapers come calling, the the local news media comes calling around the anniversary every year and wants to get their reaction to why the case isn't solved. How do you feel about this? You know, your your poor son, your poor daughter. And then we have these poor people, the Billings family, that have to relive this with these phone calls, mm-hmm. but they also have the added, the added anguish of they have their son's birthday. And then the following day is the anniversary of his death. And that, you know, that's got to hit them extremely hard every fall, every year. Well, n- yeah. Not to mention all the football games before that, mm-hmm. you're going to think about your son. You know, I don't know if there's any weight to the, conspiracy theory here yeah i i don't really i couldn't get any information as to how that tied in i really feel like it's just a rumor situation where we just have a situation where because there was no leads uh because there doesn't the investigation seems to be going nowhere that you're almost left with that conclusion at some point well one of the things that we talked about was his seatbelt was cut Mm -hmm. never seen that ever before in a crime that I know of right person seatbelt being cut. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense at all. But then we brought up a point that the EMT was there first. Well, let's think about this and you bring up a good point because like you and I discussed with the seatbelt and the confusing way that the crime scene itself is described to us in media reports. There's a couple things that I'm thinking of here. One, we, we may have a situation where, like you said, the EMT could have cut that seatbelt. Well, you, from Brandon. Always, you always have a situation. And we know that the officer said that when he arrived, the first responding officer said that when he got there, the EMT was already there. Right. We also see where later evidence, possible ev- evidence is trampled over with the footprint near the vehicle. Right. Which is suspicious. Yeah. So it makes you wonder, hey, did EMT cut that seatbelt? And it actually has nothing to do with the crime itself. It just wasn't reported back to the, the police officers. Right. Shoddy um, work, though. The other thing that I want to think about, too, is if you don't have any leads and you can't find the murder weapon, you have to hold a lot of that stuff at the crime scene secret to yourself. You have to hold that to yourself because there might be things about specific details about that crime scene that maybe only the killer would know. And some of those things already came out in the media. We know that the wallet was missing. We know that the ID was thrown in the water. Those things are already out. 
So that's why I think we have this other information that's kind of reported loosey-goosey in a way that they might be holding some of that information back because I think what probably happened is that the EMT arriving first on the scene may have thought that they were arriving at a car accident, some kind of car fatality. And they get there and they learn very quickly that that is not the case. We also have the strange mention of his of his shirt of Brandon's shirt being pulled up over his head yeah that also seems strange because we have two witnesses that arrived or one who found the body and another officer who's one of the first people on the scene saying that i saw what looked to be bullet gunshots bullet wounds in behind the ear right but you could have the shirt over just his face Mm -hmm. and then i'd wonder you know as far as uh ricky stewart goes like did did he happen to pull the shirt over his face for whatever reason? Like, because you know that he passed on. I I don't know. Like, it just seems a little sketchy to me. Well, here's here's the thing: the rumor mill was going so rampant that in 2008 it made the papers to the point where they had to interview the Commonwealth attorney, the Grayson Commonwealth attorney. Because there was rumors going around that they had finally had a person of interest in the case that had been named a person of interest in the cold case. But they six years later, they addressed the rumors stating that the investigation into Brandon Billings murder is continuing, although no persons of interest have been identified. Both the Commonwealth Attorney's Office and the Sheriff's Office continue to extend their support to the Billings family. I'm going to jump ahead two more years here, Captain. This takes us to 2010, where so far there's been no suspects or persons of interest named in the Brandon Billings case. No one has been arrested, obviously. Well, there seems to be almost no movement on this thing at all for many years. Well, we finally, are you ready here? Are you ready for a break in the case, Captain? Yeah. Because I can understand what Brandon's parents are are going through. I can understand their frustration with the investigation. Well, hold on to your buns because we are going to get a big break. Finally, in this case, okay. So in two thousand and ten, two thousand and ten, a former live-in girlfriend of a man named Chad Allen Reeves comes forward. And she is accusing him of having killed Brandon Billings or been involved in the killing of Brandon Billings. Yeah, but we've seen this before, right? With the uh, ex-girlfriends coming out, ex-girlfriends of a criminal, and then they implement them in a case that maybe they're not involved in. Okay, do you want to hear how this goes down? Yeah, that's why I'm here. All right, you very this dismissive. True crime. Very dismissive. Like, yeah, I, well, we've heard this before. I didn't mean to. Okay, be the ex. This is Tammy Simone. Uh, she provided the break that implicated Reeves in the case. She described for investigators what Reeves told her in the hours after Billings was killed on October 6, two thousand and two. Tammy Simone is a single mom with a small child. Back in two thousand and two. And both of them were living with Reeves at the time. She said that she was awakened by Reeves at about 5 a.m. that day. Reeves told Tammy to go downstairs, and then he told her to count what she says is a large sum of cash that Reeves had laid out on the kitchen table. Tammy, A okay. large sum of cash, okay. according to Tammy Reeves. Ta- or, I'm sorry, Tammy Simone. Tammy says that Reeves was... Uh, sweating quite a bit, and he was obviously nervous. 
saying that he kept saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. She knew something was obviously wrong. However, Reeves did not say anything other than, oh my God, and pacing the floor. Okay. He did this for quite some time. It sounds like maybe as long as an hour. Um, then later that day, he offered up some more information to Tammy and he told her, quote, I fucked up. My boys fucked up. Oh, he said they, well, he actually said, quote, we killed the wrong person. It should have been Brian Hill. Tammy Simone. Apparently she left Reeves. They split up in 2004, but she did not come forward to investigators with this story until 2010, six years later. I understand that she has a child to protect, but you have humanity to protect as well. Okay, so let's get this straight. So we have uh, Reeves comes back. He has a large sum of money. He's, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, right? Mm -hmm. And then the colonel cussed on the show. (laughs) I was quoting uh, this man, (laughs) Reeves. Those are not my words. But, okay, so let's, let's clear this up a little bit. So what do we know about this Reeves character? He was a known drug dealer. And actually, there are police and investigators in the area that actually say he was a very good drug dealer, meaning he could move drugs and he didn't get caught doing it. Right. Um, Or he was hard to catch doing it, we should say. Tammy, the live-in girlfriend, she often would count money for him. Uh, I don't know what the the sum of money was, the amount of the money was, right. but he would often have her count out the money for some reason. I have no clue what that involves. Well, I just wanted to know because, like, for some people, a large sum of money is two hundred dollars, you know, and it could have been two hundred ones. Now that's a lot of counting, right? Uh, but or was it thousands of dollars? And I think that makes a difference because he is stating we killed the wrong guy. Okay. So, so, okay, you know, implying that they killed Brandon, but then he was supposed to kill this other guy. Well, why was he supposed to kill the other guy? You know, I'm, I'm kind of reading between the lines here and, and looking at this, but, um, so this Brian Hill there, there's actually, there was no further information reported on why Brian Hill's name came up in the case or why Reeves and his boys wanted to kill Brian Hill. Um, My guess is that it would have been money or drug related. Right, right. It sounds to me like Reeves was running some kind of drug ring that he had people working and selling and moving drugs for him. Yeah. According to Tammy, I'm guessing that, you know, when, when the police and when investigators say that you're a good drug dealer, I'm guessing we're not talking about he was coming home with 50 or 200 or $300. Right. I'm guessing when he came home with money for Tammy to count, it was like she said, quote, a large sum of money. It, it appears with his words. The, the reason why I bring that up though, is because, you know, we shouldn't assume that this money came from Brandon. There would be no, reason I'm actually that, guessing the money didn't come from Brandon. Right. Right. That's what I'm trying to be clear about. And he, here's my thoughts. Okay. So, when, when he says my boys screwed up, it sounds to me like, like his dudes just got the wrong guy Yeah, that somehow they just attacked the wrong dude, mistaken identity or Brandon was in the, happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't know the answer to that. To paint this picture better that at some point 
they either see him at the convenience store or they see this truck and they go, that's the guy. And they might've mistaken the truck. I think and, that, that and, I think you're onto something there. Right. And then we have this, uh, some kind of evidence that the truck wrecks. There's some kind of wreckage, right? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. And, but, but at what point did you know it's the wrong guy? Because at some point somebody's shooting him from six to 12 inches away. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, but, but the, the picture's becoming clearer here. Well, and it, it actually makes a little bit of sense too, because when we, when we were looking into this in the beginning, I kept wondering why the hell is this case so hard to solve? We should be able to come up with, with some kind, at least have a suspect. You know, they, one of the questions that people ask all the time is, you know, if you're going to get, if you're going to murder somebody, right? I've heard this on other uh, murder podcasts, right? They sit around and talk about how to murder somebody. No, but it's just a, you know, it's the question that, you know, when you start looking into these uh, cases over and over, how would you go about it where you wouldn't get caught? And one of the things is always, well, you pick somebody you don't know. Well, of course. There's no connection to. So, you know, Brandon might have known about these guys, but I don't think he knew knew these guys. Well, that would be a situation where you're just murdering for fun. But let's say, sorry about that. <laughs> well, I hope <laughs> nobody's murdering for fun. Right, but you're you're asking the hypothetical question, how would you kill someone and get away with it? Well, you pick someone that you don't know. Right. And if you don't know the person, that means you have no other reason but you want to kill somebody just to kill somebody. Right, but what I'm saying makes this case so much more difficult is because maybe Brandon didn't know Chad, and maybe Chad didn't know Brandon. Well, and that's what makes sense about this whole scenario because we, we you know, as you stated, as we all know, stranger on stranger crimes are a million times harder to solve than if it's somebody on your inner circle. It makes sense why this case went cold and why they just don't seem to have anything. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious, from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code True Crime Garage 50 at factormeals.com slash True Crime Garage 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 
20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, everybody. So, Captain, the Brandon Billings murder is a cold case no more, my friend. Right? In 2013, 11 years of investigating, law enforcement agencies have narrowed down the evidence enough to indict two suspects in connection with the 2002 death of the Galax high school student Brandon Billings. The sheriff says that two men were charged with killing Brandon, and they were suspects early on. The men were charged with the murder after other suspects were eliminated and new evidence came forward. The murder suspects are George Albert Harper III. He is 40 years old in 2013. And Chad Allen Reeves, who is 33 in 2013. Right. The oh my God, oh my God, oh my God guy. Sheriff Richard Vaughn said that there were a number of suspects in the initial suspect pool and it was their job to follow up on leads and eliminate suspects until they were left with just these two. The sheriff could not elaborate as to how many other suspects were eliminated. Now, Vaughn took the investigation over as a cold case in 2008 from the former sheriff. This is Jerry Wilson, who whose work was commended. Vaughn said, we appreciate what Sherry, what Sheriff Jerry Wilson in the previous administration had done on the case. We picked it up where they had left off, spent thousands of hours on that, and we were able to gain additional information. The media questioned him about the two suspects that were arrested, Reeves and Harper, having been looked at early in the investigation, to which the sheriff replied, in 80% of cold cases, the killer's name is already in the incident report. Over time, we were able to build the case and work with the Commonwealth's attorney and an investigative grand jury, and we were able to get enough to issue indictments. Well, and it probably helps that Reeves' ex-girlfriend came forward finally and, and basically said, hey, he confessed to this crime. And at this time, once these indictments were issued, uh, no further information about the case itself, including motive or evidence, was released at that time. And as usual, and rightfully so, when arrests are made, we should not expect much information to come out before the trial. So at this time, just to be clear, so at this time, Reeves was in federal prison in Kentucky. Uh, so the state charges will not be tried until the completion of his federal sentence. And then we have Harper, who was already in custody as well. He was in the Virginia Department of Corrections. At the time of the two being charged with murder, it was uncertain as to when Harper's murder trial would take place. Let's go ahead and get to the trial, right, Captain? Okay. Um, so we have Reeves, who's going to go on trial first. Mm -hmm. The prosecution opened up the trial. So early on, early testimony showed that Reeves and Harper were both drug dealers. Although no direct connection between the two defendants was established early in the trial. The prosecutor, this is... This is kind of a kick in the gut right here for everybody. Well, better than kicking the balls. The prosecutor stated, there's no compelling physical evidence pointing at Reeves. You'll see that none of it points to the defendant, but none of it points to anyone else. He also acknowledged that the crime scene photos and the autopsy did not fully explain what had happened. 
you got that right. He opened, they opened up the trial basically saying there's no evidence directly connecting the defendant, the man that we are trying for this murder. We have no evidence directly connecting him to this murder. Okay. Well, first of all, if there is no direct evidence, don't have your opening be that. Right. Hey, by the way, that's like going into the locker room you know, with your football team saying, hey, guys, I'm just going to let you know there's no way we can win today. You know what I mean? Like th- That's basically what they said. They, they basically lost the argument right away. Hey, just to let you know, there is no evidence. Yeah, I, I question that move, too. My, my thought is that they must have been sitting around for hours going, there's when we once we get done presenting our case, the jury's going to go, well, there was no evidence directly connecting this guy. So right. I think they thought maybe their best plan of attack was to point that out and state that, you know what, it's not going to point to anybody else either. So we need you to make a couple leaps for us connecting him to the case. The problem with that is we have a situation where you have to you have to convict him beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. Well, maybe don't try the case until you have enough evidence. Yeah. So let's let's talk about some things that were brought up at the trial. Um, nothing. They, <laughs> they, they basically, they stood up and said, we have nothing. And then they sat down. Okay. Well, the investigations timeline, we were right. Captain suggested that the slaying likely occurred soon after Billings had arrived at the scene where he was found. The timeline was based on video showing him having left the Galax convenience store at three forty AM. Right. And then we have Barkley, the guy that's camping with his wife, hearing the shots at 4 a.m. So they pointed out that there was no there was no possibility of extra time involved. Right. This so, was one of the lead investigators, Hyatt. He also testified about leads that were chased down in the case, including identifying and locating two men seen on video chatting with Brandon Billings while eating at the Galax store. I guess these guys were tracked down to a rodeo in North Carolina. They said that they had departed the store at the same time that Brandon Billings said that he was heading home. Right. I guess Billings told them that he was heading home. Hyatt also pointed out that a number of 38 caliber firearms were sent to the state crime lab for analysis, but no hits resulted in the 11 years of investigating this murder case. So still nothing, right? Well, while we're on the investigations timeline, I do want to point out that Todd Perkins, another investigator, he was called and he was questioned as to how long the drive would be for Brandon Billings to get from the convenience store to the area where his truck was later found. And Todd Perkins stated that if you're traveling, going the speed limit with the expected amount of traffic, which would be, I would guess would be damn near none at almost four in the morning that it would have taken Brandon Billings approximately 13 minutes to get to that location. So they're, they're right to say that he would have been attacked shortly after having arrived. Mm -hmm. That's roughly within seven minutes of the time that shots were fired. So let's get to, I want to talk about the star witness. Remember Tammy Simone? She's the ex-girlfriend of Chad Reeves. Yeah. Um, let's get to, I'm going to give you the shortened version of her testimony. She was, she was on the stand longer than anybody else during this trial. Cause that's all they had. Well, I guess she started living with Chad Reeves when she was 21. This is back in 2001. 
and we know that she left him in 2004. Simone's testimony painted a picture of a boyfriend who, after she moved in with, he spoiled her, and he spoiled her son as well. This came with things like new cars, vacations, lots of gifts. Drug money. Mm -hmm. Uh, She never suspected her son uh, to have been abused by Chad Reeves, never never suspected any abuse. Mm -hmm. However, according to Simone, Reeves was a very paranoid and controlling person regarding her behavior, including forcing her to take drug tests weekly to make sure that she was clean. Okay. And having her followed. <laughs> okay, so he sells drugs, but he wants to make sure that she's clean. So much that he's going to have her take a piss test. Yeah. Interesting. And according to her testimony, having her followed and recorded by others to make sure she wasn't doing anything behind his back. She said that they did, the two of them did have some physical altercations. She said that uh, Chad Reeves basically slept all day. Uh, until about three or four in the afternoon, he would get up and he would leave in the evening and he would come home the next morning. She said not every day, but about 70% of the time. Simone related a story of being uh, woken up by him early that morning, the, the morning in question by Reeves. Remember, he got her out of bed and told her to go down to the kitchen. This is where she counted what is being called in court, a fresh stack of cash. Some Skrilla. Said that he was, said that Reeves was more odd than he had ever been before. I love all these uh, losers, these odd losers that have girlfriends. The, the paranoid guy that's yeah. following you? Well, we, well we, that's making you piss in a cup and, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tough world for We also have to keep in mind, though, that you and I are both are a little iffy on, on her story about Reeves being involved. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, she has motive to lie. Basically. It, so it almost makes you, I think if you have to question one thing she's saying, you have to question everything she's saying. Uh, but let's, let's get back to that day, the day in question, the morning in question. She said that Reeves was pacing around the kitchen, shaking, and he had a hard time breathing. She said this went on for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. She said he kept repeating himself throughout that time. Additionally, she said he stood in the doorway and he said Brandon Billings' name over and over again. So he knew Brandon. Well, according to this testimony, right? if, if he didn't know him before, Brandon was killed. He certainly knew his name after he had been killed. Right. But we do have evidence that somebody went through his wallet. So even if they didn't know him, he could have seen that driver's license and that driver's license could be haunting him. And he's sitting there going, but again, we're talking about a guy that's named Kyle Brandon Billings. Mm -hmm. So I think this shows some evidence that uh, Chad would have known who he was because if, if, if this story is true, and he's saying Brandon Billings, Brandon Billings. You would have to know him enough to know that he goes by Brandon Billings and not Kyle Brandon Billings. Right. Or Tammy having read Brandon's name in the newspaper countless times regarding the cold case. You know, she didn't come forward with her story until 2010, eight years after Brandon's death, five years after Reeves had went to prison on drug charges. She said that part of this was because she was afraid Um, even though Reeves had never hurt her son, 
he had told her that if she ever left him, he would roll my mom up in carpet, carpet, douse it with kerosene, light her on fire and make me watch. He said he would make the people I love disappear like Brandon Billings and even threatened to have her son taken away to Mexico. Well, the fact that she came out later, like I said, I don't applaud that because, you know, if you have information, you need to do the right thing and and tell the cops. I understand why you would, because you want to protect your family, you want to protect your son or your kids. And, but the fact that she came out so far later, to me, that gives her less of a motive to want to stick it to Chad for whatever reason. Yeah. And I guess I don't so much mind that it's that many years later, but, but when you're talking about the guys in prison, I mean, he's in prison for years and I understand that he's probably some kind of leader. It sounds like he's some kind of leader of losers. Um, you know, but still it's been five years that he's in prison. Chad Reeves leader of losers. Tammy says that she stayed with Reeves for a little bit after after that night of him talking about Brandon Billings, uh, only leaving him after she graduated from college. Um, after she left him and tried to cut off contact with Reeves, she said that Reeves shot up her car and at some point sent a man to her house. She well, said that, see, that's, that's the reason why th- if this, he's sending people to your house. This is the stuff that sounds scary. Yeah. And she said that she called Reeves crying hysterically reminding him that the car that she had was her only means of transportation for both her and her son. She said that she didn't recall what Reeves reaction was at the time of that phone call, but he eventually called about a week later apologizing and he offered to have the vehicle fixed. If she came back and gotten a a relationship with him, right at no point in the trial, this is kind of the strange thing here though, too. At no point in the trial did she, did Tammy ever mention the name Brian Hill. Now, remember, we stated that that's in her original in her original report to police. Yeah, that that's who he said that Reeves said that they were supposed to kill. Right, right, right. So I'm not certain why the prosecutor wouldn't at least bring up the person Reeves stated he was in the intended target of the shooting that ended up killing Brandon Billings. Right, right, right. Especially when you have a situation where you're saying the autopsy report and the crime scene photos don't really explain to the jury what happened. You kind of have to Bob Ross it and paint this picture for these people. So let's talk about this. Happy trees. We have what would be, the connection to these two suspects and the victim. Well, we have Patricia Davis. She is called to the stand. She is Brandon Billings aunt. Okay. She's called to the stand by the defense, which just seems strange, but she's asked about George Harper. He's the other suspect. He's not on trial here, but he's the other suspect in Billings death. Patricia Davis recalled an event at, August 2002 called the old fiddlers convention in Galax where she and Brandon were together. She and Brandon saw his girlfriend at the time, Elizabeth Edwards with this George Harper stating that Brandon was very upset with this and decided to leave the convention. 
Now, later in the murder investigation, the sheriff's office came to her and presented her with a book of pictures of different people and asked if she had recognized any of them as being the person that was seen with Brandon's girlfriend at this convention. And she picked out this Harper guy. She picked out the George Harper guy. So if we buy the girlfriend's story against Chad Reeves, then maybe Chad was told by Harper that this was the wrong guy, but actually Harper was targeting uh, Brandon for a reason. It's just confusing because there doesn't seem to be much of a connection between the two suspects and the murder victim. And there seems to be even less of a connection between the two suspects themselves. Now I understand that they're both known drug dealers. Yeah, but they're both drug users as well. Right. Um, I, I don't know that just because they're a dealer doesn't mean that they're a user. Um, so, I mean, maybe their their connection is not well known. It's obviously not well known to the police or to the prosecutor because that doesn't seem to be presented very well at the trial itself. Now, we have uh, another woman who's called Jennifer Schaffner is called to the stand. And she worked as a home health care nurse at the time of Billing's death. One of her patients was George Harper's grandmother. And she testified that through the course of working there, that her and George developed a friendship. And during this friendship, Harper once told her, I didn't do it. This is in reference to Brandon's case. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have done it. And he pulled her shirt up over her head and made a gun with his hand and made a gun, you know, with his fingers and his thumb there. Right. And put it behind her ear and said, bam, bam, bam. She said, this scared me enough to quit. She didn't quit her job, but it sounds like she quit working for Harper's grandmother. So Schaffner decided at first not to go to the sheriff's office regarding this. And why, why put that? Why pull the shirt up? That's, I don't know. That's just what he did. That's just what he did to her. He pulled up her shirt, stuck his, you know, fake gun behind her ear and pretended to be pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. The problem with this is this rings true with some of the facts that we know of the case and how he was found, how Brandon was found. Schaffner indicated that Harper was still talking to her even after she no longer had his grandmother as a client, talking to her and texting her some. Okay, this is what I don't understand about the world, okay? We have this lady that claims that this individual basically reenacted how he would have done the murder, and that's how the murder took place. And it scared you enough to not work for his grandma anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But you continue to text him and talk to him on the phone. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So it's like, you know, then it makes it hard for me to believe your story at all. You know, are you stupid? Or are you a liar? It doesn't necessarily mean that she was happy to receive communication from Harper. Right, but she kept replying. We don't know that. Okay. We don't know that because the only other part of her testimony that talks about um, her having contact with him after that particular incident is a situation where he told her, and I'm not certain if this was in person or if it was via text, but he told her, I wish people would not talk about me murdering my friend. I didn't do it. She did respond to him, whether it be in person or via text, by saying, I told him if he didn't want people to talk about it, then he should probably not talk about it anymore himself. Okay. 
Um, so I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize for going off on there. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. It's, it's, it's not clear, but it sounds to me like there's a possibility that he may have just tried to continue talking to her. Yeah. Um, and he would have had her phone number, I'm guessing, because she was looking after his grandmother at some point. So let's talk about the defense. The defense has some pretty good arguments here. The first one being is that they point out that there are 22 lab reports that are presented at court and nothing in any of those lab reports points to Chad Reeves having been involved in the murder of Brandon Billings. Right. Stating that basically, except for the fact that we have Tammy Simone saying that he was involved, we got nothing here. We got nothing. Well, right. And the prosecution already said that at the beginning. Yeah. We, we don't have anything here. Well, they went on to point out that, you know, Simone, after having left Reeves in 2004, that she had gone to the magistrate to take out a warrant on Chad Reeves for malicious wounding, assault, battery, and destruction of private property. Pointing out that during no point of this meeting with the magistrate did she ever mention the most well-known unsolved murder in the history of Grayson County. Right. Then he points out that in 2010, when she came forward with the story, she was flirting with a cop in Galax, and then all of a sudden the story comes out. He also pointed out that Brandon Billings was found with his pants unzipped and undone. With blood flowing up, nothing flowing down his chin. He went through several of the details about the crime that were not known, and he actually is getting somewhere with this, and it's take a minute to get there, but pointing out some other things, too, that there were tire tracks beside the rock that was found with Brandon Billings' blood on it. Right. States that this was in a turnaround area. Remember, the investigator stated that it was about 100 feet away from the truck. He's describing this area as an area that people would turn around their vehicle to go the other direction. He so, also, this, so this is the first time that they're releasing the information that Brandon Billings' pants were down. Correct. His pants were unzipped and undone. It sounds like it doesn't sound like they were down. Okay. Um, he also stated that the inside the truck, the armrest was tore up, and there was a red baseball cap found somewhere on the ground at the crime scene. He's really, I think he's bringing this up to just point out that there's a lot more stuff going on at the crime scene than we were one aware of. Right. And two, this might point to somebody possibly having been in the truck with Brandon before he was killed. Yeah. He also stated that, um, that when Brandon's truck hit the Creek, at least one wheel was spinning in the mud. So they had some kind of evidence of this and that the, uh, did I state that the, the keys were found in the ignition of the truck? No, no. Oh, and here's another, here's an answer to your question. The truck was in neutral. Mm. He also stated that there was blood down the driver's side door with the door partly open and Billings hanging through the window. Also stating that Billings was shot with a 38 caliber weapon three times in the head and once in the neck and no gun or guns were recovered ever that matched to this crime. Now we said that the prosecutor, in our opinion, failed to paint a picture for the jury as to what may have taken place. What led to Brandon having been killed that night? Well, in contrast to that, we have the defense who is going to start to paint a picture of 
what if for the jury. And this starts with him saying that the way that the truck was planted in the creek, the passenger side door was blocked by a tree, preventing it from being opened. And he asked the jury, was someone inside the truck pushing their way out? The driver's side door had blood on it, pressed against it as if someone was pulling someone out of the cab on the driver's side. He also pointed out that test that DNA from Brandon Billings' girlfriend was found in his pockets on his pants. Okay. And that the rock house area is known as a quote unquote lover's lane. But we're, we have surveillance at the, um, we have surveillance and eyewitnesses at the convenience store and nobody ever claims that they saw her. Nobody claims to have seen Brandon with anybody leaving that convenience store. Right. And so he points out the question, you know, is this really my defendant, a case of a killing the wrong guy, or is this a lover who is jealous? I don't know. He also pointed out, the defense also pointed out that there was DNA found at the crime scene of a second unidentifiable person. So just there, there's a lot more going on here than in my opinion, there's more questions here brought up at trial than there are answers presented at trial. Basically we come full circle to basically say we know nothing. Yeah. Well, it, the, the jury, they deliberated for four hours after the trial was over. The trial only took three days. Yeah. And it's probably not a good sign when the trial only takes three days. Basically they called about 10 witnesses and only one, that being Tammy Simone. Well, I mean, you could debate it. You could debate it, but it looks as, as far as Reeves goes, he's the guy on trial. Right. We talked a lot about Harper, but Reeves is actually the guy on trial. And other than Tammy, none of these 10 witnesses make any connection between this suspect and Brandon Billings. They deliberated for four hours and Reeves was found not guilty. Now, he, he will not be released. He will not go free. He will actually return to federal prison because he was serving a 15-year sentence at the time for drug trafficking charges from back in 2005. The weird thing here, though, is we do have Harper that is called to testify in Reeves's, um trial. Yeah. And he was asked, were you present the night Brandon Billings was murdered? His answer was, I refuse to answer under grounds that I may incriminate myself. He was then asked, mm. do you know who killed Brandon Billings? And again, refused to answer the question. Then asked, did you kill Brandon Billings? To which Harper replied, no, sir. After the trial of Chad Reeves, we have Harper, George Albert Harper III. He was charged with perjury because he had to give testimony under oath multiple times, sometimes in front of the grand jury, sometimes in front of the jury at this trial. The problem is in those situations, he was under oath. I believe three times he gave a different story. So he perjured himself at least once more likely twice because having given three stories. So to which he ends up pleading, he, he pled guilty to the perjury charges. He's back in prison on his old charges plus these perjury charges. He is the the murder charges against him for the case of Brandon Billings has ultimately been dropped. The prosecutor is stating, though, this is not 
we're not throwing him out as a suspect. The problem is, you know, Reeves went free. We right. need more evidence. Yeah, we can't have another three-day trial. We, we can't bring Harper to trial after this, and, and he ends up walking too. So they're still looking for the evidence that is needed in this case. Do I want answers? Of course. Do I want somebody to be guilty? Of course. Do I want there to be justice for Brandon and for his family? Of course. The problem is there's nothing that I can look at in this trial, and as far as the evidence goes, that points to me that they got the right person or persons. Right, and it doesn't point that they didn't. Um, it's just it's a matter of finding the truth. Yeah, and as frustrating as it is it, it, that there's no one to hold accountable for this tragic death, for this horrible murder, there's there's just nothing here. I mean, our system would be completely broken if Reeves would have been found guilty on that day. We have a recommended reading for this week. Yes, everybody check out the Dominici Affair. This is an engrossing investigation of the multiple murder of three English tourists in the French countryside back in the 1950s. Written by Martin Kitchen. He does a great job, a fantastic job, as he recreates the tangled threads of this famous case, reconstructing the facts of the triple homicide. Check out the Dominici Affair by Martin Kitchen. And you can check out all of our recommended books on our website at truecrimegarage.com. Click on the recommended page. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for coming into the garage, drinking some beers, and hanging out with us. It means the world. That's right. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.